We're back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590. The Fan, Brent Gunning, filling in alongside me this morning and the rest of the week for Justin Cuthbert, who's away on vacay. So far, so good, Gunner. Thank you. Having a blast. Um, tonight, we got a big game at Scotiabank Arena. Your Raptors hosting the Miami Heat and Kyle Lowry back in action. Uh, must win, as they kind of all are right now for the Raptors, uh, especially at home where they've been pretty damn good. Someone that's covered a long, long journey with the Toronto Raptors. His 1,000th regular season game is our insider, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Eric Smith, Raptors play-by-play announcer, Sportsnet 590, the fan. A congratulations on tonight's incredible achievement. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm, I'm good. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. It's, uh, it's, it's funny how quickly it's happened, I suppose, in a way, but, but I appreciate you, you mentioning it. Thanks, Ailish. So all 1,000 games, let's go through them all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in terms of just what this means, though, it's probably, you know, something that, you know, sneaks up on you maybe in a sense. I don't know if you had it circled for a long time, but when you look at this incredible achievement, like what does something like this mean to you? You've been a staple and a, and a voice for the Toronto Raptors for so long. I'm sure there's so many fans that, that know and hear your voice and have a lot of really memorable moments listening to you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's honestly, it's, it's absolutely special. I had a chance um, a couple of weeks ago to, to speak at Humber College where I, I went and, and graduated a long time ago. Um, and it was just, it's, it's just kind of interesting to look back at that sort of the, the journey that's been uh, the, the career so far that hopefully continues for a, a long, long time. Because I've said for a long time, Ailish and, and Brent, and I, I say this humbly, is that I was very fortunate, very lucky to um, start at a fairly young age because I feel like I'm not that old, but I guess I am. I'm only getting older, uh, certainly older than you guys. And, and I, I, I just kind of look back and think that, you know, when I graduated, when I came out of school, it was just the perfect storm at the right place at the right time. And had I graduated a couple of years earlier, a couple of years later, you know, who knows? Because I came out of school right as basketball was essentially starting in this city and I didn't just suddenly boom you know pop right onto the scene with the Raptors it was a few years of producing and editing and 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 volunteering and uh interning whatever behind the scenes and just sort of working my way up but because I came in at that time I had a chance to grow with the sport let alone with the team in the city so I feel like I've kind of been there almost from the jump and to see where the sport has come like forget about me and forget about my career or anything just to see where the sport has grown and where the team has grown, culminating in the championship a few years ago, let alone the growth of the game and the amount of Canadians in the game. And to know that I might have this tiny little, you know, minuscule sliver of maybe helping promote it and grow it and, and cultivate it over, you know, 25 plus years. Um, I, that's, I think, where I take the pride in, in everything that maybe kind of um, has happened and, and where we stand today. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really well said. And from uh, one Humber grad to another, uh, congrats there. We can't all have gone to Dartmouth. Sorry, Ailish. Uh, yeah, so uh, yes, from one Humber grad to another, very happy to have you on. And that's awesome to hear. Uh, Dartmouth. Obviously, Dartmouth. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, seriously, Whatever. man, I couldn't get into Humber. No, no, definitely not. No, no chance. Uh, I got in, so uh, pretty much anybody can. Uh, uh, you know, Eric, in terms of memories, obviously the title is going to stand out. But what else do you kind of look back on? You know, favorite memories? I don't know if it's a funny game, something, something even as silly is like that Mo Pete game many moons ago when the Wizards threw the ball up in the air and Mo Pete uh, ended up cashing it, uh, you know, with seconds remaining when they should have had no business there. You know, wh- what kind of sticks out to you, your favorite memories from it? Obviously, the championship is always going to, you know, be the most memorable, but what else jumps out to you? 
You know, beyond there, there's three things that I'm going to mention right off the bat then, Brent. And, and first of all, the number one is working alongside Paul Jones the entire time and just the, the path and the, the journey that we've had together because he actually came and joined me um, a couple of years into my, uh, my, my kind of start, in a sense, with uh, the pre-half and post with Chuck Swirsky and Jack Armstrong. And when Chuck and Jack ultimately left after seven years on the radio uh, and went to the television, that's when Paul Romana came in and joined Jonesy for a year on the broadcast. And when Paul left, that's when I came in and joined Jonesy. So we've been together, Paul and I, for over 20 years. And this is our 18th season together on the broadcast. So if you do the math and rewind to 18 years, the number one memory came in year one of Paul and I working together. And when I say number one, it was number one, of course, until the championship. And in our first season together, and you've got to you know, appreciate for a kid that grew up as a fan of the L.A. Lakers, um, you know, I know it's kind of cool and, and sexy to be a Laker fan over the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years because of Shaq or Kobe or LeBron, et cetera, and just even the Lake show in general. But the Lakers are what brought me to the sport as a kid. Magic Johnson and the Showtime Lakers as a kid that grew up with, I mean, I have as many American relatives as I do Canadian and most of them in Michigan. So when I grew up, it was about Michigan and Michigan State and college basketball and college football. And then suddenly you got Magic Johnson coming out of Michigan State and goes to the L.A. Lakers. I grew up in that Showtime era, and that's what hooked me into the sport. I'm a weird Canadian that grew up with a passion for baseball and basketball, even more so than hockey. Didn't play hockey as a kid. I know it's a weird Canadian thing, especially when, when, when you look back to the 80s and think, you know, maybe it's not as, as, as strange these days to not play hockey, but back then, trust me, it was a weird thing to grow up on baseball and basketball. So to have my teeth and my fangs hooked into the Lakers at a young age, and that's what drew me to the sport, there I am in year one with Jonesy, and I'm sitting courtside about 10 feet from the Lakers bench, and Kobe Bryant's putting up 81 points against Toronto. Damn. That's my first mm-hmm. year on the air calling the games with Jones, and there we are sitting courtside. When Kobe's checking into the game and coming out of timeouts and whatnot, and he's putting the rosin in his hands before he goes back out on the floor, you know, like you see the old things with LeBron and making the cloud of rosin. Well, there's Kobe, and he's literally, like, right in front of Jones. You know, the rosin is, like, about a foot from my computer. And when he's clapping his hands together, the rosin is, like, sprinkling all over my computer and whatever. And Jones is making jokes about me trying to, like, shower in the pixie dust as a Laker fan watching this incredible <laughs> performance, you know, of, of Kobe Bryant. And then, strangely enough, and it's obviously extremely sad, um, the next memory that stands out, uh, again, obviously outside of the championship, is many years later, and 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 just prior to the kind of world, uh, you know, going sideways for for three years with the pandemic. Uh, but if we go back to early 2020 in San Antonio, uh, and I was actually working the TV broadcast that day, not the radio, but it was when we found out about Kobe's passing and the helicopter crash, and and you know the the two memories, as I say, outside of the championship are directly linked to, to the Lakers and to Kobe Bryant specifically. And um, that memory is obviously extremely sad, but as, if, if you bear with me for a second, I can just tell the quick story. I've told it a few times of pregame. We were getting set to talk to Nick Nurse for his just his pregame coach's uh, availability. And one of the San Antonio writers kind of was looking quizzically at his phone. And, and, you know, there's only about maybe seven or eight of the, the you know, reporters and broadcasters standing around waiting to talk to Nick. And this guy just sort of blurts out, he goes, TMZ's reporting that Kobe Bryant died in a helicopter crash. And we all kind of whipped our heads around like, what? And the first thing I did was I just Googled helicopter crash, lo- crash Los Angeles. 
Like, forget about who might be on the helicopter. If there was a helicopter crash, this would be news, period. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, ABC, NBC, CBS, all of the major outlets in, in L.A. are reporting there was a helicopter crash. So now we know it happened. It's just a matter of confirming who's actually on the helicopter. And then sure enough, over the course of the next hour, a bunch of verified reports come out. And then, you know, on the broadcast, that was obviously prepared for just, you know, game 50 or whatever it was against, you know, the Raptors and Spurs. That script and, and that pregame show was out the door, and that was a completely improv, ad-libbed, spur-of-the-moment, half-hour live show with myself and Jonesy and, and Devlin and Leo Routens and Sherman Hamilton and just talking about Kobe Bryant and, and breaking the news to the audience. So, um, again, sorry for rambling on there, but, but to witness 81 courtside and then all those years later, um, those are the two that stand out, but you're never going to top the championship and you're never going to top the parade either. And being on that bus and looking out at, you know, two, three million people, that was an experience that I'll take to my grave that never will be topped. Yeah, I think you mentioned a lot that have a lot of a personal touch as well. You know, the Kobe passing was more than just basketball. It was like how he, you know, united a community and for you to be able to be right on that right away and talk about it. I think I just got, you know, emotional or chills thinking about it too, because it's more than just basketball. It's more than just sport and your role as a broadcaster sometimes crosses those boundaries into human interest and human personal stories. So let me quickly jump yeah. in on that. I, I mean, I was on the air that day. I was mm-hmm. on the update desk doing it, and that was one of the most surreal things. So, yeah, mm-hmm. Eric, I mean, I completely echo what you're saying. I mean, we all kind of remember where we were, and it's one That's thing right. when somebody passes when you're expecting it or whatever, mm-hmm. but it, to just come out of the blue like that. So, yeah, I uh, I, I echo all those sentiments because mm-hmm. I was on the air uh, doing updates when that was happening. So, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, of course. I, I just think, you know, just it's, it's a lot more than just being prepared for a game so it adds to a lot of your 1000 career moments and more to come so i uh, appreciate that personal story too because it's not always uh, about dunks and and wins it's sometimes a lot more than that but uh you got an opportunity to share a lot with kyle lowry who's back in town and of course we do the kyle lowry legacy talk every time that he rolls in and you know maybe we don't get that many more opportunities just looking at his career and where he's at with the miami heat is there something that you look back fondly on or or you chuckle a little bit about your time covering Kyle Lowry with the Raptors. You know what stands out more than anything, Ailish, is, and, I, and I remember writing this on, uh, on, on a post on Instagram when he ultimately left and, and you know, via trade, free agency, but trade uh, with Miami. And, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase what I wrote there, but it was essentially just his maturation as a person let alone as a player. And, and I'm not going to sit here and claim like we're, you know, we're the best of friends. Whenever I can count on one hand, probably less than one hand, the amount of times I've been out socially with any player over the course of 20 plus years, it, you get to know these pe- players as people and you get to know them on a personal level, especially when you're traveling with the team and you're around the team for so long, but it's not like, you know, you're going on the bread and hang or going on the road, excuse me, and breaking bread and hanging out and whatever else. But again, there's the, there's a professional relationship and in a professional relationship, what I saw with Kyle from day one to where he was and where he is now Again, as I say, it's the maturation of a person, let alone a player. He came to a team, uh, this Raptors team, with the, the, you know, the sort of chip on the shoulder and sort of a gruff, rough attitude. And it was still there when he left, but he was also you know, nearly a decade older. He came in as a, as, a, as a single guy who's now married, who's now got two sons. He's a father. He's a husband. And that changed him as a person, let alone as a player. And then when we talk about his growth as a player, a guy that came in looking for a home and looking to establish his roots in a home after bouncing around a little bit in the first early couple of seasons of his career and then putting those roots in, in Toronto and, and changing his body even 
and and the commitment that he made to his body in terms of his nutrition and his fitness and and let alone the performance that he put out on the floor. Again, I, I keep saying the word maturation. He just matured as a man, let alone as a player, and that's what really stands out. And I think the way that the community even embraced him, I've forever held held this belief. And I'm not saying I'm right. It's just my 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 belief that as much as we all in Toronto and in the GTA love the superstar, there's something about Toronto as well. You know, like the rest of the country looks at Toronto and thinks like, oh, Toronto thinks they're the center of the universe and they're so snooty and whatever else. But we, at the end of the day, I believe, embrace the grizzled blue collar guy as much as or even more than the superstar. And I think it spans all sports. Like you think of the, you know, the top stars in the history of the Leafs. Well, there's just as much love for a Ty Domi or for a Wendell Clark, and the list goes on. As much as we want to talk about the Jose uh, Batista bat flip or Josh Donaldson or anything else, we also love talking about you know John McDonald and the grind that he was or, or going back to Garth Orge and Rance Mullenix and guys like that back in the day, let alone Toronto with the Raptors. It's Vince, it's Kyle, it's obviously Kawhi for the one season, it's DeMar DeRozan, but you know what? People love Jerome Williams and Matt Bonner and just grinders and guys that had roles on this team. And I think that in a weird way, as much as he became an all-star, Kyle Lowry was very much sort of a blue-collar dude as well. And I think that's what initially brought people to him and brought people their growth with him as a player as well. Yeah, I mean, think about it. We we think a lot about Kyle Lowry, but I, you know, I don't know if I'm alone in this. I can't imagine I am. One of the first things, if I just close my eyes and think about him as a player, I picture him taking a charge. And that is just about the least sexy thing you can do in any sport, let alone the game of basketball. And I'm so happy you mentioned JYD there, because as soon as you started on that point, that's immediately where my mind went. That guy is still a, a bit of a cult figure here, and rightfully so. And you're 100% right on that in terms of people liking, yeah, of course, who doesn't love sexy superstars? Everybody loves it. Uh, but those kind of lunch pail guys, I mean, I think of like a Garbajosa or a Calderon yeah. and how how beloved they, they were there. Um, you know, in terms of what this Raptors team is this year, it's been a really up and down kind of sputtery season for them. You know, this is a big game today with playoff implications or play-in implications, I guess is a better way uh, to put it. How do you think they, they stack up against a Miami team, uh, given the way both teams have been going lately? You know, I, I, it's interesting. We were, I was at practice yesterday, uh, Brent, and, and listening to, uh, to Nick Nurse speak. He was asked about why it seems like more often than not, these two teams, Miami and Toronto, always seem to play like a game that's within five or three points with about two, three minutes left in the ballgame. I think they're very similar in terms of the way that they, they play, the way that they defend, how they get into uh, opposing teams. So um, I think they stack up well. I think they match up well man for man against this team. And I think it's obviously been a much different look to this Raptors uh, team since, A, the acquisition of Pirtle, but also the acquisition of Pirtle kind of coincided with the team getting fairly healthy. Now, I know they've hit a bit of a speed bump the last couple of games with, you know, Gary Trent being out, and I think he might be back, uh, you know, based on, on, on what I was hearing yesterday at practice. Again, that's not written in stone by any means. Uh, and obviously, they already got a Chua and Barnes back last game. But I think when you go through the roster and go man for man, pound for pound, I think Toronto stacks up well. And, and it's, to me, and, you know, I, I might be guilty of, of wearing the, the, the rose-colored glasses a little bit here, but I think that if we're judging this team based on who they are and what they've been over the last six weeks or so, like I say, since the deadline, I think it's far different than what they were the previous few months. And they've continued to kind of, you know, have that, that little issue with busting through the glass ceiling that is the 500 mark. You know, they've been within a game a few times. 
uh, more than a few times and can't seem to punch through. And here they are presented with that opportunity again tonight. Um, but I do believe that uh, if you were to open up the playoffs right now in a seven-game series against Miami, uh, I'm not saying Toronto's winning, but I'm not going to sit here flat out and say that Miami's the guaranteed favorite either. I think Toronto can beat a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference, but they've got to get in first and they've got to find you know, some way to find a little bit more consistency and a little bit more edge in only seven games in less than two weeks if they hope to be standing there when the dust settles. How important are starts for this team? Especially, well, at, at home, they've been they've been pretty good, right? And I know you've seen that up close and personal, but the starts of these games, because they haven't been really great in the fourth quarter, and we've seen the stat. I don't know if you saw it on the broadcast because you're, you're talking, but we're watching, and we saw this stat where they, they have incredible uh if they have an incredible start, you know, they have this 28th ranked second quarter or the 28th ranked fourth quarter. Now, if they get out to a good start, is there just a level of confidence that this team builds a cushion where they feel comfortable and playing in their own roles? And, and if they don't have that, how do how do they like overcome being down in a game? Yeah, the stat I'd give to you, Ailish, I believe it is that, uh, it, you know, the Raptors have won nine of the last 10 at home. The one loss being that game against Indiana that mm-hmm. started the home stand. And that obviously was a killer. And it's the only one in that nine of 10 where they lost the first quarter. Right. So the first quarter is massive, massive for this team. Um, and I, I think what it plays into, and I'll, I'll kind of include everybody. And this is more of a generic statement, I guess, Dalish, not Raptor specific. Mm-hmm. I think in today's game and Jonesy often talks about this, you know, on our broadcast in today's game with, with the, the, the amount of threes that are being taken by all teams, you know, gone are the days where, and I'm I'm guilty of this as much as anybody, where you're up 12, you're up 14, thinking, oh, it, you know, they're about to put this away, it's over. 12, 14, 16 points is not that much of a lead anymore. <laughs> like as crazy as it might sound, like you might you might be up, you know, 15 in the second quarter, think, oh, Raptors got with this one in the bag, and then suddenly they're down five by the third quarter. And that's not just a Toronto issue. I think it's a league issue because of the three period. It's it's changed so much because. The three ball has been in the game forever, but the amount of threes that are being taken and the amount of times that we'll see teams driving and have, and have wide open layups or wide open jump shots from short range, like I'm talking five feet in, and a guy will spin around and kick it out for a three. That didn't happen a decade ago, not to the extent that it does today, let alone 20 years ago. And I think that's a big reason why we're seeing leads evaporate as much as they are. Uh, I don't have a magical answer for you, though, as to why it seems to happen with more frequency with the Raptors in terms of any leads in general and why there seems to be such a disparity in the quarters outside of there's been a major drop-off this year, for the most part, when the Raptors have gone to the second unit for extended periods. And I think that's why we've seen, and I know it's been a theme, and we've talked about it, Alish, uh, you know, with, with with Justin a couple of times that I've been on over the course of the season, the amount of minutes that the starters are playing. And I think it's a product of because they've had to. Now, again, I'll go back to the deadline. I think there's more balance to this team since the acquisition of Pirtle and since there's been a change in some of the rotation and whatnot. I think the bench and the production has been better of late the last four to six weeks, but I think that's kind of one of the keys to why we're seeing that that that, that sort of wide range in the numbers and, and the production is because they have relied so heavily upon uh, you know, Siakam, Barnes, and obviously uh, Fred Van Vliet. Like, that's, that to me is the biggest issue right now when we think about the team and finding some consistency with the point guard position. I think, you know, it, one of the guys that's been good of late is Jeff Doughton, but I think there's so much relied on how Fred can be a stabilizer beyond a score 
And I think that maybe speaks to to the number swings that we talk about. Yeah, I wonder if part of the reason is that, you know, just in terms of we talk about it being a game of runs and threes are, are so much more prevalent in today's game. And, you know, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but I wonder if it's just the Raptors do have a bit of a lack of shooting and they don't see the runs happen. You know, they're able to get out to a good start. But when other teams are, are pulling, you know, pulling back from these leads, you see it a lot of times it's from hot shooting. And not that the Raptors are incapable of making shots, but it's been something we've talked about with this team in, in terms of outside shooting and, and maybe need for, for a little more growth there. You know, you mentioned Doughton there. Obviously, Coloco is a guy who's had a really important season for them. For a long time, it felt like the Raptors' secret sauce wasn't the Kawhi trade. Obviously, that was really important, but it was getting all of these other guys that could come in. You know, Pascal Siakam was a guy who came through the G League, Fred Van Vliet, and I'm not expecting either of those guys to turn into either of those guys, but how important is it for the Raptors to kind of continue with this development? You know, it's been such an important part of their identity and what do you think they have in, in Coloco and, and Doughton Jr.? Um, you know, as you just said, Brent, and I'll, I'll echo that. I don't know if I'm going to anticipate either one of them turning into, you know, household names and all-stars, uh, you know, across the league. But I think, are they absolutely capable players and rotation players? Yes. And I give Coloco a ton of credit uh, as a guy that, you know, I, I even going back to training camp, didn't necessarily anticipate Coloco being a part of the rotation coming out of camp and suddenly was, let alone a starter for a good lengthy amount of time. Um, and then for him to to probably feel like, hey, I'm a rookie, I'm a second-round pick making an impact on this team, and I've got a regular spot in rotation, whether it be as a starter off the bench, and then suddenly, boom, he's punted to the, to the G League for a while. I think that shows a lot of character on his part that he took that assignment and realized, okay, I've still got a lot to learn, I've still got a lot to do, and I need to improve. And he came back from what we've seen better than what he was even to start the year. And I think that's just the impressive in itself, let alone the impact that he's made as a defender and how he and Boucher seem to have found a pretty good synergy with their length and their shot blocking skills together when they've been on the floor over the last couple of weeks. And Doughton is, is a guy that, that, you know, I don't want to pat ourselves on the back too hard here, but Jones and I've been talking about him since the beginning of the year. Just even going Oh, back it's your thousandth it. game tonight. Take yeah, a victory lap. Come on. <laughs> he, he just looked like a guy that, that kind of fit that, you know, when he, even when you see him, like go back to the other night. The numbers aren't flashy. They're not jumping off stage. I think he only scored one one bucket. I think he had a three ball. But the four assists, a couple of rebounds, and he doesn't look out of place. Mm. And that's the biggest thing. He doesn't look like he's he's wide-eyed when he's going up against uh, whomever it may be. He doesn't look like he's scared of the moment or afraid of the moment. He doesn't look like he doesn't fit in. I like his length. I like his defense. I like the, how he kind of just has this kind of edge when he gets out there on the floor. And, and hey, these are, this isn't necessarily even me saying it. I think the proof is in the pudding. If at this point of the, of the year, a guy who's been up and down and more so down with the G League, but then is getting still minutes in crucial games and must-win games more so than even Malachi Flynn at, that, at this point, I think that says something about what he brings to the team and the confidence the coach has in him versus other players and versus other guys. And that alone speaks for itself. So uh, I think the future is very bright for, for Doughton hopefully with Toronto, let alone just in the league period. Yeah, speaking of young guys that have bright futures, I mean, we saw that last year with Scotty Barnes winning uh, Rookie of the Year, and then now he's in his sophomore season. And I wouldn't say it's a sophomore slump, but obviously he's not playing Rookie of the Year type basketball consistently. How would you contextualize what Scotty's done um, this season up to this point? You know, I, I think he, it, it, this might be an extreme word to use, uh, but I, I'll say victim. I think he's kind of fallen victim of the success he had last year and the bar thus being raised and set for him at a certain level. Because I think if you look at the stats alone, the numbers alone, you would say, 
they're pretty much in line with what he did last year. But I think because of the fact that he did what he did and the Raptors as a team did what they did in making the playoffs last year, and yes, okay, getting ousted in round one, but if we rewind back to the beginning of last season, coming off the Tampa year, still in the pandemic, coming off a a, a top-five pick, the expectations were not there. This was not going to be a playoff team. This was a team that was in year one of of some sort of retool, rebuild, retweak on the fly, whatever we want to call it, Ailish. And yet they go out and they finish above 500 and they go on a run and they get into the playoffs and he wins rookie of the year. So now this season starts and we're thinking, oh, okay, well now it's going to be at least the second round and he's going to take this huge leap. And when it doesn't take that huge leap and when the team certainly doesn't, I think we start thinking, well, hold on, is he struggling and what's wrong and why doesn't he have the impact? I think it might be a product of the fact that, again, bar being set, him still settling in in a young career, he kind of had a little bit of you know an issue coming out in and out of the lineup a couple of times this year with, with various bumps and bruises and some injuries. But I also think that the team itself, even though the record wasn't necessarily there, I think the team itself was uh, sort of built differently this year in terms of the way that they shared the ball, the way that they moved the ball, and it wasn't just about pushing Scotty Barnes necessarily into the spotlight as much. Remember at the beginning of last year, you didn't have Pascal Siakam for a good long while coming off the shoulder surgery and whatnot. So that even helped Barnes sort of thrust into the bit more of a role and a bit more of a score as well. So when you had more balance this year with Scotty, but also with Pascal and with Fred and with Gary Trent being in the starting lineup at the time, a lot of guys to score. So I did think it was tougher for Scotty to sort of stand out statistically, especially with the offensive numbers. And I think that he's still kind of trying to find his way, find his niche on this team alongside two, you know, former all-stars and current all-star and Pascal and Fred and just finding what he does because, you can you both see it. He can turn that tap on at times, right? Especially it seems like it comes in the fourth quarter. You look down and go, Barnes has four points. He's got like eight rebounds, but he's got four points, and then he finishes with 12, 14, 16. Mm-hmm. So it's, he's capable of doing it. I think it's him and let alone the team still finding when those moments are and maybe balancing them more and him having to at some point realize as well, hey, you know, I can get mine too and maybe play a little bit more unselfishly at times. Or sorry, play a little more selfishly. So I think the long-term question with this team, you know, obviously we had a lot of these talks at the deadline in terms of what should they have done with Fred Van Vliet. But for me, it all boils down to, and okay, maybe it all boils down is too strong, but a big crux of the Raptors future is going to be the fit between Pascal and and Scotty. How do you think those two fit together in terms of long-term? You know, they're both guys who have the ball in their hand a fair amount. They're of similar stature. They, I'm not going to say they have a similar game, but they can do similar things on the court. You know, it's never a bad thing to have too much of a good thing and both those guys are great players but they don't necessarily complement each other when you think of guy you know great kind of one two tandems what do you think the the this team's ceiling is with those two guys in terms of how they fit together long term I feel like I have to give a preface here because I don't want the, the the hate tweets or emails or anything. Like no that. aggregation of this, okay? All right, this is this is. I'm just using a comparison. I'm not saying that these two are these guys or even will be these guys, but I feel like if 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 Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum can coexist in Boston, there's absolutely a way for uh, Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam to coexist in Toronto. And I, and to to that point, again, I'm not saying that those two at this point in their career are going to turn into that. Uh, Brown and Tatum have been incredible for Boston. But I think there is absolutely a way, in spite of everything you said, Brent, for these two players who, yes, are similar to coexist. Because at least at this point in their careers, I would argue, with no disrespect intended to Pascal, I think Scotty's already a better defender than Pascal, not to say Pascal's a complete stiff. And I would say Pascal's a better perimeter shooter and has more of an all-round game 
than Scotty. So as much as they are similar, there are still a lot of different things that each do that are perhaps better than the other. So I think there's a way to find a way to get them to be on a floor together, complement one another, and grow together as well. And I'll never think, uh, and, and this isn't me just buying into the Raptors' whole 6-9 philosophy over the course of the season, or at least a good chunk of the season, but I'll never think that there's a, it's a bad thing to have versatile, athletic players that can guard multiple positions, that can play multiple positions, that can do different things on the floor. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a pro and that's a plus, and it's a way to work it and, 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 and kind of um, manipulate it and maneuver it over the coming years, um, assuming that they stay, stay together. And, and I would say that two years into Scotty Barnes's career and two years into the, the um, partnership of those two players, is not necessarily a time to say it's not working because I don't know that we know yet that it isn't necessarily working. I think they absolutely can play together, uh, and I hope that they stick together. Yeah, that's uh, that's really well said, and I think it's something we're all curious to see how uh, how that develops. Uh, we're, we're looking forward to the, the call tonight. Have a good one. Kyle Lowry back in town in game 1,000 of the regular season for you. E, thanks so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thanks. There he goes. Eric Smith, Raptors play-by-play announcer, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. And our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online. And in the showroom, visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. I don't think I've done 1,000 of anything in my career, in my life. <sighs> You're going to have picked up 1,000 uh, pieces of dog, uh, you know what. Oh, <laughs> that's Looney right. Dogs, I that's heard good Looney from Dogs in my ear. There's no way in my life I'll eat 1,000 of those, right? So what's your, what's your average when you go to a Looney Dog well, game? the disgusting amount was yeah. seven at one point. Okay. And I I'd, felt ill for weeks. Uh, someone, Worth it, though. Hey, we have listeners who love us. Someone on the text line, do the math. I refuse to, of how many times Ailish would have to eat seven loony dogs uh, to get up to 1,000 there. Oh, Ailish couldn't do the math. Uh, Isn't it just 1,000 divided by seven? Yeah, it is. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> uh, I got into this job because I was told there'd be no math, okay? Um, 142. There we go. 0.857142857. Okay, uh, so 143 <laughs> we'll go with. Yeah, there you go. Not going to happen. No. Uh, but I was thinking... On Thursday, we're going to do some previews for MLB. We'll do some futures. We'll do some award predictions, Blue Jay specific. But what I'm going to do, mm. I'm going to give you the tease right now, is I'm going to set a season-long over-under for Looney Dog consumption at the Rogers Center because now they've got the new Looney Dog porch where there's going to be a counter, right? Like a tally, <laughs> a live tally. I'm going to go through each game, and I'm going to analyze, okay, if they're playing the Yankees, is there going to be an influx mm. of ticket sales? Now with this new outfield $20 ticket, how much additional? I'm going to do the research. I'm going to Blake Murphy this thing. I'm going to get the numbers. <laughs> going to get the course. going to get a spreadsheet. I'm going to set a season-long over-under. For Looney Dogs. Love it. I cannot wait for Thursday. Thursday's going to be... Thursday's going to be a big one for us. Uh, we're excited to tee that all up. We do have the Wake and Rake on the other side of the break, but one more reminder. ProLane Plus and Real Sports have provided us with an awesome giveaway for today. A pair of tickets to see the Raptors take on the heat tonight. We just teed it up with Eric Smith. His 1,000th career regular season game. That's also a big poll to come. You can listen with your earbuds while you watch you at go. the arena. Um, so tickets like you're to an tonight, old school fan at the baseball. I see that sometimes I do. Still. I love that move. It's awesome. Um, so you get a pair of tickets to see Raptors in the heat tonight along with a $100 Real Sports gift card. To enter, text the code word ProLine Plus. ProLine Plus to 59590. Right now for your chance to win tickets to tonight's game, you must be 19 years of age to enter. Details at sportsnet.ca slash ProLine Plus, five ninety five ninety. A pair of tickets to the Heat Raptors game tonight and a $100 real sports gift card. 
let's keep giving away good things. Yes. Like good picks Ooh. for the wake and rake. Last night was not a good one. Oh, reset. We got we got Gunner in here now. We got different vibes, different <laughs> picks. We got Raps and Heat. Canada versus Honduras. That's at BMO Field tonight. And then Jays and Phillies. Last grapefruit game today before the real deal kicks off on Thursday. Lots to go through. We have your picks at five ninety five ninety as well. We'll go through that. We'll set a three leg parlay and hopefully win you some money. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wake up! Now it's time for Wake and Rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. Well, with Ailish and Brent Gunning to be correct their recorded voice. There we go. Gunner filling in today and the rest of the week for Cuthbert as we look ahead. So Cuthbert and I have been doing this Fan X Cup. So each week have been picking, um, I believe, five golfers, two from the uh, 25 to 1 okay. odds, and then 25 to 50 to Love 1, this. and then 50 to 1 plus, and Love then one this. Canadian. Yes. So you get to do it this week for oh, him. I'm so excited. And it doesn't seem fair because you're a golf guy, but yeah. I'm going to allow it because I'm a nice co-host. You are nice. And uh, Justin could use a boost. Okay. <laughs> so, we're, and there's only the outright winner that gets yes. the payout. So okay. I got Scotty Scheffler first week. There we go. Um, yeah. Generally good speaking, start. good, good yeah, way. It was good pretty bad. good. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> Not bad. And then last week we were, we were close. I had, uh, um, I think I got like three in the top, like the round of 16. There you go. Yeah. Third yeah. place yep. in uh, quarterfinals because okay. it was match play. Yes. Um, so this week, what, what, is, what is even this week? It is week? the Valero Texas okay, Open. Okay, Valero. Yeah, this All is, right. uh, here's here's what this is. This is a tournament that uh, a lot of guys aren't going to be playing, but right. there's a lot of guys. It's at, for for uh, for golf sickos, this is a fun one because this is like your last ditch chance to get into the Masters. If you yes. win this one, you so get that, in. So that's it. So you'll be looking for some you know value on someone that's got to play their way in. Like yep. Ricky Fowler doesn't there need to go. win or he does. do well. He does. He um, needs I'm, to win outright. So this takes place, does it start Wednesday or Thursday? It'll be a Thursday. Okay, start. perfect. So we can tee it up yes, probably Thursday morning unless it starts by the time we're on the air. Mm, you probably do Wednesday. Let's do tomorrow then. And um, Thursday's Big Jays Yeah, day. we get too much to talk about. We'll do it tomorrow then. We're going to do over-under on hits for every guy in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> How many stolen bases? Mm. That'd be a fun one. We'll do okay. some prop bets for I, the Blue Jays. I need the Vladdy stolen yes. bases prop. I need yes, that. Yes, I agree. Um, we'll, we'll look through all that. But the, So we'll set it up tomorrow then. Um, the Valero Texas open looks like Corey Connors is a number two favorite. There's some good names up there that I you don't love, usually bet on. I love our Canadian men, yeah. but it tells you all you need to know That's when right. they're a, a first or second yeah. favorite. Uh, yeah, there's some fun names in there. Hey, some good value, though. Uh, we'll do that tomorrow then. But for today, we've got Raptors and Heat as we've been teeing up on the return of Kyle Lowry, maybe off the bench. We'll get a bit a nice. Do you think they do another video board tribute every time he comes? I think you gotta, you, you can't blow it out and be, but you gotta. Like his face? I think that's what it is. I don't mm. think it's like, and no, turn your attention to the, but it's like, th- there's gonna be a moment. It's gonna be yeah. a lull. They're gonna put him up there for a minute. He probably won't notice at first. People are gonna start going nuts. He'll give a little, hey, mm-hmm. and that's how it's gonna go. I wonder how many times he's come back to Scotia Bank Arena since joining the Heat. It's been a couple. It's, it's not been, been like he hasn't had 10 no, no, returns no. or anything like for that. Sure. But yeah. Always awkward when that happens, right? Like you have a guy and it's like, 
It's it's almost like when you leave, when you're like leaving a party or a bar or whatever, and you're like, oh man, I had such a good night. I mean, personally, I don't do this Irish goodbye. No Irish all goodbye. Day. You and I, yeah. we're very much alike but, in that one. But if you're one of these people who's like, oh man, it was so good to see yeah. you, da 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 da, and then you bump into them again on your way out, and you're it's like, like, oh, I guess we're both leaving at the it's, same time. It's like it's yeah, it's like when you when someone holds a door for you, and you're like, oh, thank you, and then, and then again, they hold it, and you're like, okay, and then thanks. again, yeah, okay. No, I right. you will not know that I've left. You won't even know that I came. Yeah. But I, you won't know that I've exited the event because I'm just love, like... Love an Irish you know, you, goodbye. You, you pretend something's gone. I just got a phone call. See you never. Um, all right, but we'll see Kyle Lowry tonight. Uh, Raptors back in action at home. Big game for them. They are three and a half point favorites tonight against the Heat. 7.30 tip. Uh, you can get that at Sportsnet 590. The fan, of course, Eric Smith, was his 1,000th regular season game, which will be exciting. I hope he gets a lot of love and praise for that because that's uh, quite the accomplishment. So Raptors three and a half point favorites. I'm actually going to pick my wake and rake pick from tonight's Raptors. Raptors game. We like to anchor within the Raptors, but we go. I'm getting greedy. I'm going Yaka Pirtle over nine and a half rebounds. He's been pretty great um, at beating that number 12, 11, 11. Um, I'm picturing tonight being another night where he's going to have to be rebounding big time. Um, so I'm just going to secure that one in. It's plus money right now. So get it while it's hot. Yes. Over nine and a half. I'm seeing it plus 100 and that's good for me. Well, I am. Uh, I'm looking at a different book, and I do not see that. So well, yes, you if find you, some value. If, I was going to say if you really like that, you should jump on that right now because yeah. I imagine it will not Get stay it. that way. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go. This will shock everyone who's heard me talk on the radio before. I'm gonna go to hockey uh, for for my pick. Hot, hot playoff races uh, in in the NHL. Kind of, sorta. Calgary is in a fake playoff race right now. Uh, they're gonna lose and probably have their season end tonight. Kings money line. Plus 115. I see, see them I'm there. I'm seeing that too. Okay, get the plus go. money part. You've got to get the plus money. Uh, the Kings are the better team. Uh, Jakob Markstrom can get hot and steal a game for you, but Jonas Corpusal has been doing that for the Kings, uh, and they still have something to play for, mm-hmm. unlike the Flames, who fake have something to play for. So, yes, I uh, give me <laughs> Kings on the money line there. All right. We do have a wake and rake submission. Um, same thing. So, Duncan from Georgetown says the same thing. He's going to take NHL Kings money line in a big game versus Calgary at plus 115. So, you have some support. There we go. As your anchor pick, so let's uh, let's at least read through some of these. Um, Eric from Burlington says, "Good morning." At this point, I'm counting down the hours until baseball. I've never watched more spring training in my life. My pick tonight is the Kings and Flames over six and a half. There'll be no saves in that game. Mm. I don't like that only because those goalies are both capable. Generally, if I'm betting the over, I want at least one seven there that I'm going to say, yeah, no chance that guy's making a save. And look, it's possible Markstrom doesn't make a save. I want to yeah, be clear seen about that. Before. that. Uh, we have a lot. <laughs> uh, okay, here we go. Ron and Juliana, um, our squad here. Good morning for today's anchor. I'm going to go with OG over two and a half three-pointers. He has hit this in six out of seven games. All right. And Jules will take the over 234 and a half in the Warriors game tonight. She's a big Warriors fan. I, I'm sure these are regulars. I have not known a joint text before. I oh very much like God, that. Oh, my God. This is our family. That, it, Ron, this is great. It's like a, it's like a husband and wife family. No, no, no. He Facebook drives his account. daughter okay. to school every this morning. This is wonderful. Bill Crowther Secondary School. Love that. Shout out to Unionville. Love that. They're always in the car right now, and they're always driving, and she always picks something from the Warriors game. Awesome. Yep. I love that. They're our community. I'm glad you get to be a part of it this week. Um, tonight, the National Predators will find out who the real predator of the NHL is, and that is the Boston Bruins. I'll take a bear over a a cat on the money line every day. That's Steve from Sutton. Have a great baby, baby Friday. 
He is, this guy is hungry for the weekend. Yeah, Steve is hilarious. A lot of, It'd be uh, like Monday. Happy baby, 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 baby Friday. A lot of uh, flourish on that, oh, on yeah. that text. I'm glad that you don't always get to read these. No, these are great. I love it. It's very fun. Um, good morning, Corey from Port Hope here. For my wake and rate pick, I love the Boston and Nashville game to go under six and a half goals. We never bet unders. Life's too short. Nashville has so many injuries, and I think they'll struggle to score on the road against Boston. I see the logic behind yeah. that one actually unders is no fun but that is the best bet that's I've actually heard, a, yeah. a pretty good bet actually um okay so neil in newfoundland he's our guy this as well. is uh, this one i'm aware of <laughs> yeah. and i love this. you love neil in newfoundland and me too um easy cover yesterday not only did uh trevis song cover but she won in straight sets today i'm going atp miami with H- H- holger rune money line over taylor fritz oh plus 135 okay we got a did plus you do money. the exact same thing where you went oh i've heard of him taylor I, yeah, fritz that's I, exactly I know what taylor i thought fritz, can i know oh, he's american <laughs> no, boy yeah. uh that's it that's all neil in newfoundland so he likes rune money line over taylor fritz Another- holger rune sounds like a like german action star from the 1980s <laughs> it reminds me of do you remember uh this no you probably won't but okay. there's a video game called runescape i've heard of it yeah, yeah. when i played yeah. boys hockey all my little like oh, teammates buds, we yeah. played runescape there you go i think it was around the same time as like uh World of Warcraft, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. W-O-W, oh, World yeah. of Warcraft, but I played RuneScape, and I remember you just, like, have this, like, little, like, medieval times guy that walks <laughs> around the forest, and you, like, ask, like, you try to find, like, steel to make, uh, I don't know, weapons. Eh. There you go. Yeah, Holger Rune was definitely in the RuneScape in there, world. For sure. um, final one here, Chad from Peterborough, NIT D-Gen. semifinals tonight in North Texas, and UAB parlayed on the money line. If you've gotten UAB, oh yeah, yesterday he texted us in UAB at minus two and a half yesterday, you're ahead of the line as it's now three and a half. So Chad from Peterborough gave us a pick yesterday that's looking look pretty good tonight too. Um, okay. I believe that was all. Yep. No one else has texted in right now. Um, so, <laughs> Gunner, what are you liking tonight? Any I, of these stick out to you? It's boring, but the under is so know, far and away right? the best bet. I, as I saw these coming in, I just pre-put it in our parlay because mm. I was so set that that was the best bet. It stinks. Yes. But you know what? We need to win, though. Sometimes you got to shake it up. Yeah, that's right. You got to get a dub. Sometimes you got to shake it up. So under six and a half in Preds and Bruins. I just watched that Preds team play. There is not a single dynamic player <laughs> in the in the building. Even like it's like the the other team becomes less dynamic just watching them. Yikes. Um, okay, let's do it then. This is the first time I think we've ever put an under in a parlay. But yeah, under stink. No one likes to bet them, but sometimes you need the dub. Live a little. Um, all right. So the Kings and the Flames. You've got the Kings on the money line. I've got Jakob Pertle over nine and a half rebounds tonight against the Heat. And then the Predators and the Bruins under six and a half. I'm seeing it some places at six. I just tease it to six and a half because I hate when there's a push altogether. That is plus 585. Giddy up. That's a pretty good parlay for us on a Tuesday, baby, baby, baby Friday, (laughs) as our buddy Scott, uh, Steve from Sutton says. Actually, plus 640. There we go. I uh, pressed the little button that says Ah. one at odds boost. No. Hell yeah, I want an Oz You bet you do. <laughs> Plus 648. We're killing it. Um, all right, so we've got um, the Jays and Phillies in their last Grapefruit League game as well. So we thought we'd just take a quick look around um, some of the MLB previews. So we're going to do the NL um, this time. Tomorrow we'll do the AL, and we'll do some more Jays-specific ones. But... The odds are out for just like the winners of each division. We'll mm-hmm. go through those. Mets favorites in the a, uh, the NL East, uh, plus 125, followed by Atlanta right behind them at plus 135. Philly plus 330, and then you just get to the outrageous ones, um, Miami and Washington. Uh, Washington plus 2,500. 
wild. That's that's just rough. You know, if you're uh, a fan of that team and you're looking at that and you're just like, do you sprinkle? <laughs> no chance. <laughs> do you do you find a hobby this summer instead of watching yeah. that uh, truly dreadful baseball team? But Mets and Braves being kind of like the the top two there. Yep. You had a good point. We talked about this off air, mm-hmm. but how you bet. Yeah, look, look when you look at these when you look at these numbers, it's the Mets. Yeah, they're slight favorites. They've got a bunch of injury history or not injury history, current injuries mm-hmm. with their closer right now. So just, sad. Just get a little value. I I could be talked into the Phillies if the Reese Hoskins thing didn't happen. Mm. They also wouldn't be in the plus three thirty neighborhood. I'm seeing them at if that injury didn't happen. So that kind of took takes them out of the running for for me. I just go Braves there. I think it's a little value. They've proven they can win. It's a group that's been together. AA mm-hmm. knows how to get it done at the deadline if need be. So yeah, I uh, I, I like the Braves there. I uh, you know the Mets uh, obviously. I think it's amazing for baseball that they look the way they do. They're spending the way they are. God, it's just awesome. Put the bag on the table. Yeah, and say it's great. let's go. Cohen had the best quote in sports this year so far, saying when he asked about the Cohen tax being named after <laughs> him, he said it's better than having a bridge named after you, which is very true, I think, although I'm never going to know either of those things, so I'll have to take his word for it. But yeah, give me the Braves there. I would like to do the Phillies, but the Hoskins thing is just a killer. Um, okay, the NL Central. Uh, Cardinals are the minus 129 favorites to win that, followed by plus money on the Brewers, plus 170 in the Cubs, plus 620, and then Reds and Pirates just... Not even. Okay, so I want running. this is where the just take the second underdog mm-hmm. doesn't uh, doesn't make much sense to me. I do think the cards are going to win, yeah. but if I was looking for value, and this is what you have to do on futures, yeah. what is what is the point of putting a future bet on, on one sixty yeah, or even no a one twenty five? Mm-hmm. I do think, and this is a case of probably not. I don't know. A little sprinkle on the Cubs. I'm seeing them plus okay. seven hundred yeah, here. There you now, go. Marcus Stroman's their ace. Okay, we've seen that movie before. But they have other quality pitching. They went out and got Dansby Swanson. Nico Horner's really coming into his own as their second baseman there. They didn't move Ian Happ. That was a guy that a lot of people around baseball liked. So I'm not saying the Cubs are going to win that division. I'm just saying in terms of value there, you get none with the mm. cards. The Brewers are frauds. We've seen – Kristen Yelich was good for, for a year in their playoff push and has never been good since. Uh, so, yeah, if I'm going to sprinkle, it'd be the Cubs. But I just – for me, that's like a stay-away division. Uh, yeah, I like the Cubs sometimes just because they have really nice uh, jerseys. Awesome aesthetic. That's right. That's uh, sometimes it just helps to have a good viewing experience. Okay. Uh, the NL West Dodgers, obviously uh, minus one. Uh, I'm seeing at 155, but also some places at minus 120. So That's kinda, what I'm seeing. Yeah, yeah it kind of depends on the book. Of course, you always try to find value. Um, and then the Padres plus 130 or plus 110. Um, and then the Giants. So the Giants, they had a chance at uh, doing something this offseason big they got mm-hmm. uh but they're at plus one or 1200 i'm seeing that at yep. yeah i guess maybe there's some value there and then you've got obviously arizona and colorado that are just once again bad teams yeah i like the padres i mean mm-hmm. they had a really weird year last year they made the big swing for soto but everything that happened with tatis he's back i mean he's right. fernando tatis jr who knows if he's gonna do steroids again or get in a motorcycle accident or who knows what could happen there but that was a guy who was missing from their team, and he is one of the great young up-and-coming players in the game. I mean, he's not up-and-coming. He is a fully formed entity. So, again, just in terms of value there, it's like I don't like anybody other than the Padres mm-hmm. or Dodgers in that division. So, yeah, if you're going to get a little bit of a plus number, I think that's who you'd have to go with there, Padres. In terms of winning the pennant, uh, quickly, Braves Ooh. favorites plus 350. Um, and 
Wait, yeah, I'm um, seeing it in two different places. The Dodgers and Mets plus plus three fifty, followed by Atlanta and San Diego. I don't know. It's kind of fun to do like a full future and something yeah. like that. But yeah, probably. I think of those teams. Probably the Braves. I see them yeah. plus four twenty five, better value mm-hmm. than the Mets. Better value than the Dodgers. Shop around. If the Mets didn't have the Diaz injury, I would be thinking, yeah, that's a team that's going to do things. But that's just such a such a big loss for them spiritually as well with the loss of the we're trumpets. Not, we're going to miss the trumpets. Yeah. So I go Braves uh, for value pick there. All right, we'll do AL uh, tomorrow. We'll go. We'll tee up some uh, Blue Jays props as well. You got Raptors Heat tonight. Canada versus Honduras as well. That's at BMO Field, you got Raptors at Scotiabank Arena. Jays and Phillies in their last Grapefruit League game. That's at noon, so you got lots of full day viewing experience today. Um, man, it's, uh, it's a big one tonight for the Raptors. Got Kyle Lowry back in town, looking uh, looking to keep that momentum alive at home at Scotiabank Arena, where things have been quite good for them. So we'll be back tomorrow morning, Gunner and I, to break it all down. The Panthers and the Leafs as well tomorrow. Um, that'll be another prime viewing experience. Scotiabank Arena. Gunner, thanks for joining today. We'll be back tomorrow. Can't wait. Just gotta let the boys be the boys.